Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Righteous, ratchet, real. Real, Righteous, ratchet, and real. Real, real. I feel exposed. Okay. Welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. This podcast is for people who love God, but sometimes side-eye the church. We're three friends balancing the secular and sacred, the righteous and ratchet, as we discuss current topics through a gospel lens. We might say some things we're not supposed to. But you are probably thinking it anyway. You know how we say in the church. Charge to our head and not our heart. We're going to keep it real. Good day, good people, and welcome to the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. I'm your co-host, Dr. Ronay, and I'm shouting it out to my co-host, Dr. Keisha. Tell hey. Me <laughs> so Dr. Greta is not with us today, but she sends her love, and she absolutely hates that she is not here for this discussion because y'all, y'all, today... We're going to be uh, starting a new series on Let's Talk About Sex, Baby. And today's episode is, wait, wait for it, wait for it, is Get Your Freak On. (laughs) (laughs) So you all know that February is Black History Month, but it's also the love month, right? So we'll be celebrating Black love in all all of its various forms all month long. Um, But today we're going to kick off our series talking about aging adults and sex. Because whether you know it or not, the elder folk are getting it in, y'all. They're getting it in. They might be dressing up for church on Sunday and loving on the Lord, but the Lord ain't the only person getting getting some loving. Mm -hmm. It's some serious undressing going on somewhere because the numbers don't lie. Take a look at these statistics, y'all. So the Michigan Institute for Healthcare Policy and Innovation reports that 40% of people between the ages of 65 and 80 are sexually active. And nearly three quarters of those folks in that age range have a romantic partner. And over half of those with a partner are sexually active. So folks is getting it in. Um, But this is where it gets kind of funky because according to the Center uh, for Disease Control, the CDC, in the last five years, The number of cases of gonorrhea rose 164% among Americans 55 and older, and cases of syphilis rose 120%, and chlamydia rose 86%. Y'all, what is going on? (laughs) So, like, folks are getting it in, but they are not wrapping it up. They're not having safe sex. So we got to talk about it. So, Dr. Dakisha, come on and introduce our guests for today. So I brought in the tag team of my dynamic pastors, the pastor Harold B. Hayes Jr. and Pastor Kelly B. Hayes, who you guys may remember from episode nine when she came in and shared with us about rest as resistance. So today we get to experience them as a husband and wife team who works 
with other husbands and wives and engaged couples and just helping them to talk about sex and bliss boost, as you can see under uh, Pastor Kelly's name, because we know that there is plenty of bliss that we need to add into relationships, especially when you've been in the church, child, and they told you to lock it down for so long. It can be hard to know how to amp it up. And so that is their ministry. And so they're here to talk about sex, sanctified freakiness, and everything in between there. And just any new titles to Yeah, Lord. So that we can be responsible about how we uh, engage in sex. And so I want you guys to just welcome my pastors to the podcast. And we're going to jump right into the questions. All right. So if sex is ordained by God and is, right, why has sex been such a taboo topic in the church? And why, when we do talk about it, why have we done such a terrible job? Because the church is not good about talking about sex. So where is the disconnect? Go ahead, Dr. Kelly. (laughs) Thank you all, first of all, for having (laughs) us. It is a joy to be. um, I don't know if Takesha loves us or not. Uh, giving us this topic. I feel like it's a setup or it's something. Setup. Like. <laughs> but it is, it's all good. So um, in interest of transparency, I grew up in the Baptist church, um, missionary Baptist church. Um, and it, there was absolutely no conversation about that in youth ministry, adult ministry, no ministry whatsoever. My only experience of that is is as a teen um, watching the painful uh, experience of a young lady having to come down to the front of the church and ask for, you know, forgiveness of the church by herself, mind you, uh, Mm. being pregnant. And so my background in church and sex doesn't exist. It's it's some phantom thing that happens. Um, and then we just deal with the consequences once the evidence is clear. So we've never, as the church, uh, taken that on except to say it's sin. Even though we see evidence of it happening all around us. Um, I, I think it is a fearful thing. I think um, leaders fear losing control, uh, making people think that they have their own agency over something as important as their sex life is scary to them. <laughs> and so we just don't talk about it. And it is generational. I wish I could say I knew where it started, but I really want to say it started in the founding fathers of um, history, the, you know, patristics, all all of those, they, they made it evil. They made it sinful. They made it dirty. They made it all of that. And I think we just inherited that. And there was no blueprint on how to talk about it other than don't do it. And, and then she marries me who had the complete (laughs) opposite experience I, I grew up in Philly. Uh, I am a PK. Uh, I grew up in the United Holiness Church. Uh, my father was a senior pastor. And um, I was never told that sex was dirty, simple, 
none of that. In fact, my father is the first person uh, I never forget. In uh, sixth grade, we started taking gym, and so we had to undress uh, for gym. And that's when we start seeing each other. The boys start seeing each other. And of course, there was a lot of comparison going on. And so, you know, and then there was a lot of talk, who was smallest, who was biggest and all that. So I went home because my father has always had an open conversation with all of his children about sex. So uh, I, I remember going home asking that, you know, how, how small is small, how big is big? And, and, and he said, what is the issue? I said, well, we was changing. All of us was looking at each other, comparing. Uh, and he said, well, what's the issue? We was like, well, we was trying to figure out what will please a girl. Now, we're, I'm 12 years old talking that, and my father's having a conversation. My mother's in the background going like, going like this. Oh, Lord, don't tell that boy all that. Don't tell that boy all that. And so <laughs> then my father grabs a book and says, come here, boy. And he says, there's more than one way to please a woman. So he opens up the book, and he shows me a picture of a clitoris. And I was like, what is that? And then my mother walks out the room because she's like, I don't believe he's teaching them that. But my father was the first person that just opened uh, uh, understanding, awareness of how healthy and beautiful sex is. And he never, he never gave me a sense of it was bad and it was simple. And uh, I remember one time we were in the car and I guess maybe I was 14 or 15 then. And, uh, and so uh, we started talking about sex and he was like, uh, you got any questions? I said, no, I'm good. I, 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 I know all about it. You know, and I'm talking to the same guy that schooled me a few years ago. And, and, and so he just kind of looked at me. He said, so you know all about, it. you know about, you know, wrapping up. Like, yeah, I know about all that. He said, well, maybe I need to ask you, do you know about maybe celibacy? And so I was like, what's that? He said, not having sex. I said, oh, no, I don't want to know nothing about that. And so he laughed. We're driving the car and we're laughing. I mean, and so there was never, I'm talking about a pastor now. He's a holiness Pentecostal pastor. And he never, ever said, I never heard out of his mouth, sex is a sin. And so I just pray for my wife now and after going on 39 years, because my whole orientation about sex is totally different. And I talk freely. I talk freely about sex with all three of my children. Um, I have so many funny conversations about sex talks with my children. I, I'll leave that off for right now. But but so it, it's 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 a major point of learning for me when my wife began to share with me her experience, and then you know, and then my experience, and then us coming together. And we now have our own experience as a result of those two experiences, which really in many ways is from one extreme <laughs> to, to the other. And, and we have made something beautiful out of it. And, you know, we have three kids out of it. And, you know, she's still chasing me around. I'm telling her, just calm down. Wait till I wait till I feel like it. Just just wait till I feel like it. Then y'all yeah. open this can of worms, so there it is. Let's let's. <laughs> I was gonna say, I guess I didn't do that that warning to all our listeners. <laughs> he is a comedian, you know, as his side job, and so be prepared for him to. The, the thing is, um, about my husband's experience is that that was his father was very unusual ahead of his time. Hey, ahead of his time, the church, the church itself. 
was completely opposite of how dad. They could they could not stand my father. They could not stand my father. They 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 called him a playboy, and it was so funny when I used the word playboy. I got to tell you all this story. So one day I came home, my mother and father in the dining room, and they're looking at me as I'm walking through the door, and I'm like, "What?" They said. Did you do this? Did you no? Did you order these? So it's like twelve uh, books of Playboy magazines, and so they're looking at me. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't order those, uh, and they realized I was telling the truth. And this is what I'll never forget. They looked at each other. and They said, "That's all right, son. We know who did." So somebody was trying to prank him or you know, uh, put a mark on his character because my father has always been free uh, about love, about sexuality. And what happened was uh, the church, uh, we went to, um, a, a, we call it cookout now, but they called it a picnic, church picnic. And there was a pool. And of course, all the young people went swimming. My father went swimming with us. And so the elders was accept, upset because they said, my father exposed himself to the young people. Now he just had trunks on like everybody else and we all went swimming. And when I look back on it, he was the only adult in the pool. Now the other adults were standing around looking at all of us children, you know, including the deacons and, and the other preachers. But my father was the only one who got in the pool with us and we had a ball. And so they didn't like that. And I can give you more and more stories. My father took all the youth. My father was the number one ultimate youth minister as a pastor. He took us bowling, swimming, roller skating, and he taught us all how to do it. And so um, they didn't like that. And, and so there was some hell to pay for him being as free as he was. And he he will tell you he had got he received his freedom from my grand from his mother and father which I know is true. My grandfather and grandmother, they were very free. She had 13 kids, 11 lived. So uh, they knew how to uh, <laughs> use up all the extra time they had. <laughs> <laughs> they got their freak on. They got their freak on. <laughs> oh my God. It's awesome. So, so did we even answer the question? I don't even know. So, well, say a little bit more about what you think um, today's church is getting wrong, because I love to hear about your, your dad's freedom and your grandparents' freedom as well. I, I love that. But that is just simply not even the norm today. No. So, so where is the disconnect? You know, and where do you see that happening now? What's the problem? Um, I, I have my wife just gave me a calendar the other day. And for the month of February, it has the great disease of humankind is ignorance. And we don't know what we don't know, but then we act like we do know what we don't know, but we don't know. And, and, and we don't know that, uh, first of all, to the pure, all things are pure. And, and uh, without sex, none of us would be here. Mm -hmm. That's first and foremost. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then uh, we, my, I think my wife just said it, we are so afraid of the power of the bootay. Uh, we are so afraid. I'm sorry, I went there. I'm sorry. We are so afraid of sex. We are so afraid of, of it that that the only way we know how to deal with it is demonize it. But then we have this love-hate uh, relationship with sex. Like we hate it, you know, on the pulpit. We hate it in the sermons. We hate it. Come on, y'all. And telling 
people what not to do and don't do it. And then we love it behind closed doors. And then we're really freaks behind closed doors. So we got this schizophrenia about sex, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, just come out and say, yeah, we doing it or we want to do it or uh, how can we do it? Just, just, and the church needs to be there for folk on earth, not for folk in heaven. I'm going to leave that one alone. Y'all get that in a minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the, basic, the basic premise for me is control and fear. I mean, you yeah. try to control things you fear. And for some reason, I I don't want to say for some reason, I really, now this is my story. I'm sticking to it. I think what the church has gotten wrong is because it's mostly men in charge mm. and they want to control women. I think mm-hmm. that's the whole issue because they've, wow. they've already given themselves permission to do what they're going to do behind closed doors. But they do that up front because they want to yeah. control women. They don't want women to be sexually active or sexually Sweet, sweetheart, you- free or any of the above. So they come up with all of that. Because when you really look at it, it's really mm-hmm. about women. It's not about men. And that's what yeah. has gotten wrong. Yeah, uh, sweetheart, you, you swung for the fence. You just knocked out the park. That's what it's all about. I'll, I'll never forget, I had early, early in my pastoral ministry, I had a revival. And I brought an outside preacher in. And uh, the preacher preached. We had a good three-night revival. and But at the end, I'm not taking them to the airport. He's like, you know, next time, you know, um, uh, part of a courtesy to an outside preacher is that you, you know, you provide, you know, comfort. Comfort. <gasps> I said, I, I'm all, I'm, I'm, Dr. Rone, I'm all. Rone. Like, uh, Rone, Rone. Rone. I'm so yeah. sorry. That's all right. I'm, I'm dumbfounded. I'm so naive. I'm, I'm, my mouth falls open as I'm pulling up to let him out. I said, well, I don't understand what you mean. He said, you, you know, normally, you know, each night you send somebody to the hotel room, you know, as, as a courtesy. Wow. I said, what? I'm getting this stuff out of the trunk. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> and, and of course, he, that person ain't, I, I, has never been back because I, I, I'm like, wow, I, really? And we gave you a good honorarium and it wasn't enough. You still needed something else. <laughs> so wow. my, my, my wife is absolutely right. It is a male control uh, situation from the beginning of, of time, uh, from the beginning of time. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in all male settings, whether it's a retreat or whatever, and, and, and the naivety and the ignorance blaming women for everything that has gone wrong, including of their temptation to fall into sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And I always have to like correct and 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 teach and and exegete and, and, like like so much so I feel like I've been out in the field picking cotton. By the time I get home, I'm like the men them just wore me out. Uh, <laughs> because it the, the the ignorance is on the disease level. Um and and because it, it serves the male ego. Uh, when when we when men find out, I never forget. I I had to teach uh, on uh, uh, sex with the brothers, and 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 when they found out that it's a possibility that their their wives wanted just as much as them or more, and um, 
And then I, I had to throw a joke in there. And I said, in fact, do you even know where your wife is now while you're here? I mean, I just did that just to mess them up. Just <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so the best thing we can do is what well, y'all have facilitated a talk. We, we, because we black man, black woman, we need each other and we need to have sex with each other, but we need to talk. And uh, what reinforced what my dad already laid as a foundation was me taking a course. I know uh, Wesley to Dr. K and Dr. T is the most uh, uh, exciting academic experience on this side of heaven, but I represent Howard University School of Divinity. Hey, you. It's you. And so, and so look, look, I'm in Dr. McNair's class in 1991. I graduated in 1992 with my Master of Divinity. And I'm tired. I've just come from work. I'm in his class. I go to the back. Let me tell you, I woke right up. When he, said, he said, today we're going to talk about sexuality. I was like, oh, my subject. And so I woke right up. And he said, his opening statement was, the only sexual sin, there's only one true sexual sin. Boy, I leaned in and he said, it is irresponsible sex. I was like, that's my boy, that's my boy. And you have gone all the way down to the next question points with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you can go keep talking about that right there because I think that's really important for our, and for our listeners to hear. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the first time that I've heard that, but but say more about that. About how irresponsibility really is the sin. Yeah, Doc, I got that in 1991. I've been rolling with that ever since. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, it just, I was already free, but it, it, it authorized my freedom when I heard that. Mm. And, and, and so I will say four women got up and left out because then he followed up and said that, um, I don't know why Dr. McNair chose to say this right after that, but he said, you know, if you if, if if you have a vagina and you're not using it, it's not as healthy as it could be. I, I just my head just went down. I said, "Why did you do that after that?" And four women, I mean, because we were all preachers, they got up. They were like, "Oh no, I know he didn't say that." And then he had a nerve when they went out and the door closed. He said, "Well, I guess they might not be getting it." So then I bust out laughing. I was done. I was like. <laughs> Man, I'm loving this class. I'm loving this class. Mm -hmm. And it was so liberating. He was a short, low black man, uh, scruffy looking, and he, it, the whole class was profound. It had a profound impact on my concept and my theology and my philosophy. And so uh, if we could have somebody that daring to say, because that was in the halls of academia, you know, but if we could have somebody that daring to speak like that, Un and he was speaking unapologetically, it wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't apologizing for that. His belief was there was only one true sexual sin, and it was uh, irresponsible sex, which is a whole category, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so, okay, let me stop. My wife is like, let her ask the question. Okay, I'll stop. No, this is what we're here for. Um, so, so thinking about the fact that the Bible has, you know, the Song of Solomon, and there's so many other instances. Yeah, in one of my favorite books, yeah. Well, I mean, and so sex is all woven throughout the text, right? 
Um, and if we know that, you know, God intended for us to have this, this vehicle for express for self-expression and, you know, romantic love and all of that stuff, why are we so prudish? But more than that, I just want to hear some of the theological underpinnings, um, mm. of how you learned that sex, you know, the only, uh, sin is irresponsible sex. Really. That's what I think we need to hear right now is the theological underpinnings about it because there's so much sex in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, sweetheart. I was just gonna literally say for me, the most when when I really think about it, and it could be the fact that I'm 60 and I I, I see things so completely different, um, differently uh, than I used to, is that the Bible really is about relationships and how we're supposed to treat each other. Yeah. And the the theological underpinnings to me about sex is really about your relationship with yourself and how you feel about yourself and your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self-perception, which gets played out in sex. And when it's not healthy, it causes irresponsible yeah. behavior. Yeah. And that's not just not wearing a condom. That's using sex to manipulate people or using sex to try to get people to do what you want or as a weapon or yeah. whatever. Uh, and so it's not just because a lot of times as soon as we say irresponsible, we think condom, you no. know, it throw a condom. But it's also about the your personal behavior and responsibility towards another human being. Yeah. And so for me, I think we miss it theologically because we think if we teach it, then everybody just going to run out and have sex. The truth of the matter is when you educate children and young adults, they make better decisions. They, they absolutely do. Sudden run out and want to have sex with everybody and do sex with them. They, they, are, they feel more empowered. They feel yeah. more confident. And when they feel more empowered and confident and they have a good self-image, they put sex in its proper place as it relates to a relationship. So I think we focus on the wrong things theologically. Mm -hmm. If we teach people of, about who they really are as an individual and work through healing or any, any feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness um, and teach people how to treat each other, you, you then don't have to tell people to um, harm other people through sex. Right. Yeah, that's good. We've spent so <laughs> yeah, that's true. We spent so much time and y'all might y'all might plug out, y'all might cut me off after I say this. We spent so much time in the church convincing people to believe in God, we forgot to tell people that God believes in them. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yep. It's it, a love it, story. It, it's God's it, love story to us. Yeah. Right. We spend so much time believing God, believing God, and this is what it looks like to believe in God. Don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. And we forgot to tell them God believes in you. That's why you're here. And 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 start from there. And we just have that. We have we have we have to. We need an extreme theological makeover mm -hmm. when it comes to allowing people to tell us what to believe and what we should believe and mm -hmm. tell us how we should interpret mm -hmm. this uh, language of the Old Testament. How we should interpret that language of the New Testament and 
And even in those interpretations, nobody tells you how many times stuff got redacted. I mean, we, we just, it's, 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 um, we, we have to begin to release the people uh, to feel free enough to have your own relationship with God. Mm -hmm. um, my path and my relationship with God uh, looks totally different than Takesha's. God never meant for us to have a cooker, a cookie cutter relationship mm -hmm. with with God, um, and that looks just the same for everybody. And so, um, and when you start, when you start uh, deconstructing God to fit your own fear, it's mm -hmm. so good. That, you know, when you, to fit your own fear, and then you sell it to people, <laughs> it, it it becomes a most horrible thing. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm telling you, I'm gonna tell you what my father said, uh, and him and my mom are probably in heaven now laughing at what I'm about to say. My father said, my my Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized Pentecostal father my first pastor said to me, son, we gonna get to heaven and God gonna look at Jesus and say, they could have had fun. <laughs> Love it. Love it. I said, dad, what did you just say? He said, all the church folk gonna get to heaven Mm -hmm. And Jesus and God gonna look at each other and say, they could have had fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why are we down here trying to get up there so much so? Mm -hmm. And trying to live a life so that we can make it in and not go to hell. What? Mm. <laughs> yeah. When the church is run by mm -hmm. theologically. When the church is run by old white man. Yo, come on and say it. That's yep. the issue. Oh, they they, they, they so scared that their their white horny wives gonna look at the enslaved people that should have never been enslaved and look at them men. And so they gotta figure out how do I control their libido? Mm. Yep. It's all about controlling the, the woman's libido. Yeah. Okay. Okay, oh. I, I, I'm sorry, Keisha. I'm done. I need a tambourine. <laughs> I think all of this is so rich. There's so many layers to what you've said. And first and foremost, because uh, Rene, we have talked about this, you know, bless Juanita Bynum's heart. But, you know, like that was her introduction to us was no more sheets. You talk about selling. While she getting her freak on after she gets finished talking about no more. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, it's been packaged and definitely monetized to us, you know, but a form of control. We are paying to be controlled. Jesus, when I heard that, like, what? Wait, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Packing out churches to be told. I, I think I bought that series more than once, Takesha. I bought it more than once. I had like see, two copies of that. Just yeah, oh. I mean, and, and, and it's 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 so crazy. I mean, just just that was so damaging. Yes. Yeah. And who was there? It was women. The women. I ain't never seen a man talk about that. 
They get delivered well, let, from let, sheep. Let me, tell, let, me let, let me tell you something. My dad, my dad, uh, he's funny. Um, um, <laughs> my dad has never said to any of his children, I have two older sisters, and then me and my brother come after them. And uh, my father told me one time in the car, uh, he owned also a cleaners business. I used to work with him, and he was like, um, I just need to let you know, you, you know, you're going to be such sexually act, active. I'm sure you already are. I was like, yes, I am. And he said, well, you know, you, you need to be mindful of, of, of how, you know, to put a, a, a rubber on. And I said, I know. And 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 he said, and I, I tell you, your sisters the same thing. I said, you tell them that? They don't wear rubbers. He said, no, I tell them before the guy, if they're going to be sexually active, before the guy puts it in, to, for them to grab his penis and make sure a rubber's on. I said, you said that to Darlene and Pat? Oh my God. You told them to grab it? He said, yeah, how else will they know whether it's on or not? That's my dad. That's how I was raised. Mm. And That's, that's back, responsible sex. Yeah. Yeah, to go back to what Renee said, I think it's important that we name how it is that you two have pastored you know, our congregation in that these conversations that we're having are spaces where you allowed us to have these conversations and not even oversee it all the time. So, you know, we've had youth ministry moments where we partnered with Planned Parenthood and brought in an expert to talk to the youth about condom usage, to talk about, you know, even consent. These are conversations that you allowed us to have in church young adult ministry have those conversations. And so women's ministry, Pastor Kelly has allowed us to have these conversations. And so, and bringing in people who were not invested in um, keeping the status quo of church teachings, but could have conversations that allowed people to be educated and allowed people to be free. And so in terms of what the church can look like, and and I think for many pastors, although they may even believe these things, they're often afraid of being put out. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have the conversations, but you always created spaces and I'm sure it took lots of heat. Like when we had condoms in the bathroom and in the vestibule on a Sunday. Some of my colleagues nicknamed me the nasty pastor. They say, oh, that Harold's the nasty pastor. He goes from being holy to nasty. He's usually it's holy haze. Holy haze or nasty pastor. I I, I, I fall between those two. (laughs) So it has to be that you're willing to take those hits in order to actually empower the people, you know, so that they can be liberated. Because even a conversation we were having last night, um, Renee's good girlfriend was talking about the fact that, you know, she has a group that is for, you know, people and their sexuality. And so uh, another preacher told her she needs to stop doing it. But we were just talking about how, you know, like even men, because although it has been legislated to women, there are some churches where men also are, you know, getting this teaching when she said that, you know, the man didn't know where to find a clitoris. I said, well, Jesus, that means that there's an unhappy woman somewhere that is (laughs) where. That, that that poor woman. Oh my God, that poor woman. Help him, Lord. Help, help, help him, Lord. Help him, help him. <laughs> Even God is saying, man, come on, read a book. Go to YouTube. Find that clitoris for her, please. That, yeah. That, that is, and it is still 
boils down to fear and control. No matter, yeah. no matter what we've been taught to fear it that way. We've been taught um, that it's unclean. We've been taught that it's not normal. Right. So, or this one there that was so horrible was, you know, it's for procreation only. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole purity <laughs> thing was, was not for men, it was for the girls. It, yeah. that they're the ones that had to wear the little rings and do the little dresses and have that little crazy ceremony yeah. with their fathers. It was that was about the girls. It was not about the boys. They did not do it in the same manner with I them. I was never told by my father, nor my uncles, nor by a deacon, nor by the elders in the church, by any of the males, to, they never told us guys, don't have sex. Never, mm-hmm. ever. The I church, never heard the, that. The church is the only place where the pastor can get caught in a sexual scandal and still pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Renee. Renee's having a moment. <laughs> she might have to go off camera real quick, take a couple breaths. <laughs> yeah. Keep talking so, amongst yourselves. The, 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 yeah, that's the all, all, only place. And and like, you know, and, and the person I was sharing with you that did our revival, you know, he wasn't a single man. He wasn't a single preacher. He was a married pastor. And he was looking for um, some comfort each night after he preached the word of God. Wow. So, yeah. So, boys, I mean, boys, boys is, you know, what. Right. And, and it's so acceptable. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, uh, when, and when y'all, when, when we think about now, when I think about Dr. K and I, we're, we're in our 60s, we are, we are full fledged in. In midlife, midlife starts at 35, but we we're really into it now. And um, because of we call it the pause, whether it's menopause or andropause, we call it the pause. There's been such a chemical change and reaction in us that 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 crap, that religious crap, that theological crap, we don't go for that no more. And so now, in this stage, we all free. We're like, I'm I'm. I'm going to do it. That's that's why the numbers are going up in our age range. They're like, they're free. They they don't give a hoot about <laughs> what they used to believe because they don't believe that anymore because I believe their God has become so much bigger. Mm. Uh, so mm. much bigger. God is so much bigger than the Bible. Oh my God, did he say that? God is so much bigger than the Bible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. God is so much bigger than any book that was written about God. It's one thing for somebody to write about you. It's another thing for somebody to know you. And Jesus came so we might know God. And everything we do and say is, is through a prism and bias of our own experience and pain and trauma. And the, the whole thing with the that my husband was just saying about, you know, as you get older, you let go of some of those things that you realize really did not benefit you. And and I'm not saying it's a we get to make God in our own image. I'm saying people just really have the mind to really figure out what's true and what's not true, what's real and what's real for them. I think the whole issue with the the STDs in those communities is is not so much that they're more freaky than they were before. I think the the STDs are just happening because 
they have not had that new conversation about sex for them. It's like, I'm not getting pregnant. I'm not having no more children. So mm-hmm. I can just be free <laughs> and do what I want. And you're not, and they're not really thinking about STDs in the way we would normally think about them in terms of education and all of that. Right. It's just, I'm free to have it. And so I'm going to have it and I'm going to enjoy myself. That's right. Um, there just needs to be a new conversation of what it means to be sexually free Active. in the age of diseases that can kill you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think the the those senior communities and all those places where they are need to have those types of workshops yeah. because that's just part of it. It's going to happen and you know it's happening and they're free. Um, but I think it's more um, that's an afterthought. STDs is an afterthought to it really my, is. And I can't get and yeah. I can't get pregnant. They're not, because they haven't had to worry about that before. So what's going to, you know, prompt them to think about STDs now? Right. Because mm-hmm. back then when they were, you know, having sex or whatever was happening, that may or may not been an issue that they talked about or they were married for such a long time. That wasn't right. an issue, whatever. So now they're free. They're doing it. And they so have has, multiple partners now that they have they, multiple <laughs> partners, the whole nine yards. But that that conversation does need to be had because you're, when you're not thinking that way, you're just I'm free. I can't handle more kids. I can't get pregnant. Uh, you know, I'm not whatever that the case is. And so they they just having a, a good time. So but I do think it's incumbent. I think these statistics will alarm people. And places like that and family members do need to encourage their free, free, <laughs> you know, seniors to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just that not something that is forefront on their mind. They no. have to be mindful of STDs and, you know, AIDS or whatever the case may be and do all of that other stuff. So I think it just it's a matter of having the conversation and re-educating for that season. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of dorm rooms because, you know, these senior living facilities is like college campuses. Yeah. College campus rates are really high because they're in a small space. Close proximity. Exactly. And and, yeah. And so that's what it reminds yeah. me of as well. You know, wow. that's a good that is really good, Dr. T. I'm, I, and that is the, and you have to treat it like that. Because, you know, when college campus, oh, Lord, these numbers, we got to start having some classes. We got to start putting some condoms out. We got to start. It, it is the same thing. It is. It's that level of freedom. And you're not thinking that those consequences will hit you. Hmm. Right. With, and that, that, that's, pr- that's pretty much the definition of irresponsible, where you care, you are careless about the consequences of your action. And, and, and so, um, but when you care about the possible consequences and you, 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 you plan things out ap- accordingly, uh, then um, go live your life to the fullest. That's all I'm going to say. I had a friend, George Kelly, remember George? Uh, uh, he is in heaven now. <laughs> and George was... Uh, liberated and loose like me. He was a pastor also. And he said, Harold, I got a new theology. 
I said, what is it, George? He said, love God and do whatever, do whatever you want to do, just, but just love God. <laughs> and his point was, if you really love God, mm. then your relationship with God will guide you, not necessarily somebody's interpretation of rules, uh, regulation, and restrictions that they're spouting off to you. And I'll never forget that, too. Th thank you, George. Love God and do whatever you want to do. But really, really first love God. Uh, uh, and his point was, out of that love will come a responsible, will come out of it responsible behavior in every area of your life. Mm. So now going back to um, what you all were talking about before, and, and maybe this wasn't even caught on camera yet, but um, thinking about the ways in which the church teaches or doesn't teach about sexuality and, and that responsibility, we have to also acknowledge the trauma of, of what that does to people once mm. they get married, right? Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about elders, you know, who, who have lived their lives and now they, they're getting their freak on, you know, and, and they're good. They're, they're liberated. But what about the rest of us who have, who they taught, right? Right. You know, we've been taught not to do it, to keep your skirt down, keep your pants pulled up, you know. So what happens when you find yourself um, it, you know, 35, 40 years old, you're married, not married or what have you. And now you're stuck with all of this baggage, right? Mm -hmm. This negative baggage about sex and sexuality, particularly it's, it's interesting. Uh, we've been talking about the clitoris and not knowing where it is, you know, and you've got women that are not even sure what pleasure feels like to them. They don't even know what that feels like, you know, because they've been shamed, they've been taught all this stuff. Um, so what do we do about that trauma that is clearly in our church? It's in the pews. You demand all those elders come back and apologize first. You demand, you demand that. Uh, and, 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 and then you, um, you have to, you, you have to do what you're doing. You're, you're demanding a conversation. You're demanding, you, you, you have to demand a conversation. I'll never forget Dr. K and I, you know, we ministered to couples and one time we had the opportunity to go, it was in North Carolina uh, to minister to the young adult couples. And we did something we had never done before, but we do it now, but that was the first time we did that. We said, let's do something different. Let's switch. And, Dr. K, you go teach the guys and I'll teach the girls. I mean, the women, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say girls, but that, that, that they were young, they were very young. And so that's what we did. And um, and so I'm, I'm speaking in tongues, I'm like, what do I say? I'm, I know how to talk with the guys. I was like, oh God, what did I say? And so all of a sudden one thing led to another. And I just asked them, I said, have y'all ever, y'all know what y'all look like? They were like, what? said, so do you know what you look like down there? Every one of them said no. And I said, well, after this, go back to your rooms and take a mirror and just look. They were like, they were laughing. They were like, oh my God. So they had never even looked at themselves. They looked, and, and half of them were married. They didn't even know what they looked like down there. And so the ignorance is like not knowing is major. And I'm, and for me, I'm like, how can you not, not know? But it's it's a reality. And, and when I told share that with Dr. K, she was like, oh yeah, there's a whole lot of, and 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 so then I knew if they didn't had never looked at it, they never touched it. 
And so they, they were screaming when I said, well, that means if you haven't looked at it, you haven't touched it. And they just could not believe. But I, I tried to be like a father figure to them in the sense that, hey, affirm yourself. Get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. And don't leave it up to somebody else, not even your spouse, to know before you know. And uh, it was a real conversation. I've, I felt free to have those kind of conversations since then uh, with both men and women. And, um, and so we just have to demand that we keep this topic not as seasonal, not just in February, but we keep the conversation going. Because whether we talk to them or not, the onus will fall on us in facilitating either responsible or irresponsible sex because they're going to have it. Mm-hmm. They're going to have it, but it but our conversations might determine whether it will be responsible or irresponsible. Um, uh, uh, empowering, or they might have too many disempowering experiences because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. So we we got it. We this is a. February and Black History Month is a good excuse to have this conversation, but we must, mm-hmm. we must demand that we have this conversation on a regular basis um, and that both men and women are involved in that conversation. That's why I just take my hat off to you guys doing this. This is just like major and daring, and I'm too afraid to watch it when it comes out live. Because um, <laughs> basically we're talking about one, decolonizing and two, normalizing the conversation yeah. and acknowledging something that you said, Dr. Rene, which is so true, is acknowledging that what the church has done is traumatized and harmed people and in particular women. And so just saying that truth is a great beginning so that they won't continue to feel like something is wrong with me. Right. Because you can't have a healthy um, sexual life without being healthy, period, and without dealing with that trauma, right? You, it's schizophrenic to, to say to a woman, I need you to be a saint in the street, but a freak in the sheets. And, and then... Um, <laughs> And then look at her cross-eyed and because she don't know what to do. Is what? What? How? How do I do that? How? Right. how <laughs> what is that? Wait, what? We we are so imbalanced as a church community, as a faith community. We 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 overemphasize being spiritually conscious. Um. Uh. And and now we thank God we're starting to emphasize being mentally aware of our mental health and how to care for it. Um, and, and we think like the spiritual health is up here. Okay, mental health is about right here and sexual health is about right there. No, they are all equal. Mm-hmm. Your spiritual health, your mental health, your sexual health. You must be fully aware of all three because they are intricately connected. Connected. Mm-hmm. That's why the ignorance of, se- of sex has been a thorn in our faith community for so long, mm-hmm. because we won't treat it equal. Yep, so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. So mm-hmm. good. that's really good. That's great. 
So Takesha, <laughs> jump in here. I'm just I'm just thinking about a whole bunch of questions and things I have because I think this needs to be another part. We need to do another part with y'all. Right. There's there's so much more to cover here, and we're only talking about the binary of a heterosexual understanding. Yeah, right. so we're just right. we're just scratching just barely you know, in yeah. from yeah. one perspective. Yeah, yeah, just from one perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we are we are going to actually have. Um, more conversations around the trauma itself mm-hmm. and yeah. how you know we tell people hold it and oh then when we're looking at people getting married in their late 30s and 40s now like <laughs> <laughs> you're actually going back to what you said earlier pastor I'm like you know vaginas atrophying because they're you know because <laughs> We're telling yes. people you can't masturbate, you can't have sex, and you're like, so what? What is happening? What? what well, who are they telling that to, Takesha? We going back? They ain't telling yeah. no men to hold right. it till you get married, exactly. No, if you're no. older and you're 35 or 40, no. 45, we're not telling them to stay celibate until they get married. We're only telling and they, them, and they definitely not telling us not to masturbate because they look. You get a going to college, you get a trunk. Uh, you get some clothes to put in the trunk and you get some Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> they ain't nobody that but women. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Turn it off. Yeah. Uh, Turn I'm, it off. Turn it off. Don't think about it. Tamper right. down. Tied up. I think this, the sin is, the sexual sin is telling people don't do it. That's the sin. Mm. I I, I'm sorry, y'all. That's this. That's a. That's traumatic mm-hmm. to tell. And I. And once again, I'm free to say I, I, that's not my experience. But to hear it traumatizes me from hearing it because that is not a, my immediate family experience. We were never told that that was bad at all. So to hear that, uh, mm-hmm. and then tell sisters to wait until they get married and then the you know what also being unequally yoked is when one has this awareness of their sexuality and the other one doesn't mm, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's usually the man has been out he's had a hundred partners and then he wants to marry a virgin okay I gotta stop you're, you're I gotta stop I, I'm going too far you have not and gone then, too far. And then he's upset because she don't know what to do and how to please him. So then he justifies that by getting a hundred more partners now that he's married. Ooh. Yep. Yep. Okay. I got to shut it down. I mean, it is absolutely so true because I was talking to, you know, girlfriends and we were talking about how the church doesn't have honest conversations around sexuality, Um, you know, and of course we're coming from the perspective of women who have heard this teaching. We do not talk about how then that travels with you into, you know, when you finally are in sexual relationships, how there is that bondage in your mind because you still hear that mindset. You you, you don't know what you're doing and you're having this internal battle that you are consistently trying to somehow, you know, come out to be a normal human being. (laughs) It is a what I would call an internal tyranny of shame. Yes. Mm. Whoa. Yes. Mm. 
Because wow. even when seminary liberated me, <laughs> did not mean that the actual practice hey, Cal, Cal, came easy. I'm married to you, but I'm writing that. Down. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're gonna quote you the first time, but after that, it's mine. Internal and and you don't get over that easily or quickly. No. No, it, it is with you. It is a part of the groove in your brain and in your yeah. spirit. And, and it, it plays over and, and plays over more. again until a more powerful affirming thought is laid down as a track. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that's why this has y'all, this has to keep, keep happening because our sexual health is just as important as our mental health. Just as important as our spiritual health. That, was that, that, that is so good that it is just as important. It's, it's on just level. as important. And that was an epiphany for me as we're having this conversation because we're talking about the church and the question keeps coming up. What are we doing wrong? What is going on? What is the issue? We have shrouded it in shame. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. It's nothing shameful about it because without it, we would not be here to have the conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's so good. You have to keep and, and what do we do is keep having conversations in whatever area of influence we had and tell the truth and tell the truth. Uh, Look, I, I, you know, uh, I got this funny conversation. My wife is going to scream and have a fit that I'm going to share it. But because I don't know, whatever you get ready to say, this is a global podcast. If it, if it, if it has anything to do with any of your offspringers or anything like that, I'm begging you, do not share the story. I heard about this story. I heard about <laughs> I know I know it. I heard about this story of this father and son. They were having this conversation. Uh, and the conversation went like this. The, 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 uh, the, the, uh, uh, the mother and daughters uh, had left to go out. And the father and son, they were home watching... Uh, they're Bruce Lee movies because they that's how they bind it. Um, but it was a setup because the mother had found um, in their uh, tele a television bill, they found um, some erotica ordered. Uh, uh, and and so the mother came immediately to the father and said, I know this must be you. And the father said, that's not mine. And then the father said, oh, wait a minute. Let's look at the date. And they realized that the date uh, of this viewing of this erotica was the same time the mother and father were out of town. And so the mother and father said, okay, I'll take the girls out. You, you, you talk uh, to the son. And so the, the, the father's telling me that story. And so uh, I, the father then shares uh, that they're looking at the movies, they're enjoying themselves. And the father says to the son, you know, son, you can talk to me about anything. And the son looks at the father and says, yeah, dad, I know that. And then the father says, no, son, you can really talk to me about anything. And the son's like, yeah, I know. And then the father pulls out the envelope with the bill, with the uh, ordering of the erotica, and said, and you can even talk to me about this. And so the son's head goes down and says, oh, my God. And, and the father says, no, you know, just talk to me about it. And the son tells the father, all the guys talk about is sex, sex, sex. And I never, I didn't even know what sex looked like. So I wanted to look at it to see what it, 
It looks like he, and then the son says, cause that's all I think about. And the father with all his wisdom said, that's all I think about too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the father and son have this major bonding moment. Now, isn't that a beautiful story? That's, that's the story that, that, that both the father and son generations apart still found themselves thinking only about sex. So we got to talk about it because folk are thinking about it no matter what generation you find yourself in. I mean, no matter what age group, mm -hmm. given the safe place for them to talk, they'll talk about it. Uh, I, I guarantee you from, from uh, eight years old to 88 years old, mm -hmm. folk want to talk about sex. Mm. Yep. Even if they can't have it no more. <laughs> they still. They still how we respond it. to it matters. How we respond to it How matters. we respond. And we have to what you say to a toddler when they're exploring what you say imprints what they think about them touching their own body. And right. then that, that shame starts there. If, even from a toddler. Wow. You know, that. Oh, stop that. What you doing? That's bad. That's easy. That's that's even to a toddler. That's and on horrible. Top, those are the only cues that they're given. Yeah. About it. And so we do what we 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 can do, just create the safe space to talk about it and not try to fix it. Hmm. Why 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 did y'all want to have this conversation? I know I'm not supposed to ask questions, but I'm supposed to just answer. But because I, I think this is so cutting edge and so progressive, why did y'all want to have this conversation? Well, because we all we know folk are having sex. Like we we know this, and uh, the the more we talk about it, the more you know that we can really have honest conversations. We can be real about it. We can get deliverance where we need it. Mm -hmm. um, and and so I think it's just necessary. It's necessary for us to be honest. Wow. I'm, I'm tired of faking. So. Yeah. yeah. That is the general premise of what our podcast is about is to have conversations that people don't get on Sundays. And yeah. so oftentimes Gosh, yeah. we come from a very disruptive lens on purpose. <laughs> and so yes, for me, when I think about sex. It is not something that is often talked about in churches. And when it's talked about, it um, goes back to sort of how I learned about sex in Catholic school. Oh, like, God. you know, we, other people had, you know, sex ed classes. What they did to us was that they literally said, they're like, this is something that happens between a man and a woman when they're getting ready to have a child. Oh and then we moved on God. to then literally watching a video of my English teacher had given birth. Oh what? My God. <laughs> I wish I made it up, but it did not. What? She donated her video because what? she thought we should watch this. Oh, my God. So <laughs> I'm done. Give me the check. I'm gone. I'm done. <laughs> Look at Dr. K. <laughs> That's cool. Oh my it, God. It was the worst sex education that could have happened <laughs> ever on so many levels. <laughs> I think they did that to keep you from wanting to have sex. They wanted to spin you straight out of having yep. sex. <laughs> 
That's very it. much so. Very, very much so. <laughs> and so I just feel like, you know, creating a space where we can have these conversations that people have oftentimes with their friends, but yeah. don't feel like it's safe enough that they don't feel like they have any theological understanding and wrestling with, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I say seminary is one of the most freeing things I could have ever done because even yes. talking about the myths and the, um, you know, ideas that come with sexuality and the biblical text, you know, mm-hmm. was so rich for me and helping me to unpack the way that I had been taught. So that was wow. why, you know, I really thought about, um, yes, let's go forward with this conversation. Plus, I mean, come on, let's talk about sex, baby. Of course, that had, like you know, it's own little ring to it. Of course, I really, I really like that song. I, I, I'm hoping y'all would play it at some point. I like that <laughs> Wow. All right, Pastors Hayes. Well, we are just so uh, thankful and grateful that you all graced us with your presence today and just engage us with this rich conversation. We have to keep talking about it. There's so much more to cover. So we pray that you will be back with us another time. Um, so before we go, uh, give us any last thoughts and any books or resources you would recommend for us to check out if people want to know more about uh, spiritually healthy uh, or biblically uh, sound sexual ethics. All right. So anything that you can recommend would be great. Wow. Um, I, I, I wrote just one with well, just one resource, the inclusive Bible. Hmm. If you just Google that, the, the the inclusive Bible, the it's it's a it's a it's a powerful work, not just of art, but of reinterpreting what you read. It it include it use. In, I'm not I'm not talking about you know uh, the revised standard version kind of stuff, and that's wonderful. I'm not talking about the NIV. That's wonderful, but it is it is an inclusive Bible. Uh, and um, for instance, when it says, um, talks about in Genesis, the second chapter, that, you know, uh, um, man was in the garden. Uh, it, it doesn't refer to the man as a man. It says the earth creature before there was a separation. Mm. Oh, my God. Y'all got to understand what I just said. There's no... <laughs> The creature was non-binary. There was no, come on, it, it was the earth creature. Mm-hmm. And then when the separation takes place, then it's the male, then there's the, the female. Wow. Okay, I'm done. So that's the, oh, it, it, it changed. Ooh. It didn't change me. It affirmed how I already was feeling and thinking. Mm. And uh, I just want to tell everybody, check out, because nobody talks about this Bible because uh, most scholars hate it. <laughs> so the inclusive Bible. And um, okay, Dr. K, bring it home. <laughs> I would I would suggest a book entitled The Enlightened Woman. Inspirations, <laughs> Inspirations and Reflections to rediscover the joy of being you in midlife and beyond. It yeah. is um, a little uh, disruptive. Oh yeah, it's edgy. And and y'all, she uses expletives in the Bible, I mean, in her book. And I know I didn't teach her that. I, I didn't teach her that. 
<laughs> that was the Baptist. I think, think because she's Baptist, that's why she used expedient. <laughs> so, but, but it really is. It, but it, it's, a, a, it's not a memoir per se, but it is the coming of age. Yeah. That's not for preteens of coming of age. It's that, that other rite of passage of, of midlife. And yeah. And you get free and unlearn some things. It is a page turner, even though she's my wife and partner for going on 39 years, it is a page turner. Yeah, and so we're, we are in the throes of what we call the 14 day bliss boost. And I just, we call it a bliss boost because we know in marriage, you need a boost sometimes. And um, we've done it 14 days straight, usually leading up to Valentine's Day. The first this is our third year doing it. And, but this year we are, um, calling it the, the bliss boost and beyond because it's, it's coaching for couples that's very real, raw, rare <laughs> mm. about married life. But it's really talking about um, thriving in marriage and starting not just, uh, not just survive with your own being. So we use power couples, not as necessarily for people who are rich and famous, but it is purposefully operating in wisdom for extraordinary relationship. And so that's what we use the word power for. And we're and, right in the midst of it. We just started. So it's only the third day. Um, and guess, and Takesha, guess what day this is? I'm guessing you guys are going to be talking about sex. Yeah. yeah. You know, he said, he said, oh, my God, we're talking about it twice today. Uh, so people can still register right there where you have the information, powercouples.info forward slash bliss. You can still register because whatever you miss, you'll have access to all of it for the rest of the year once you register. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Okay, so where can people reach you on social media or on the web? Uh, Enlightenedwoman.global and Kelly B. Hayes on IG and Facebook. Uh, Harold B. Hayes Jr. on both uh, IG and Facebook and Harold B. Hayes Jr. Global awesome. on the website. Yeah. All right. Well, we just want to thank you again. I mean, this was this was Takesha. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> they were the right ones for the assignment. They understood the assignment. Okay. They did. They yeah. did. So we just thank you uh, for, for being here. And to our listeners, we thank you for tuning in once again. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Uh, and if re remember, you know, if you if you out there doing a do, do it responsibly. All right. All right. Don't be a statistic. All yes. right. So join us again for the next episode of the Righteous, Ratchet, and Real podcast. Wow. Deuces. Love that name. <laughs>